If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. And verse 22. My plan is to finish this chapter tonight. We've got to move on. There are 28 chapters we've got to walk through in this, in this book. But isn't this a great book? Huh? Oh, it's just tremendous. And I, I really love preaching it. I, this is, I've been probably most excited about this uh, above anything else I've taught as far as by books. Um, I guess it's just because it's just so action-packed. I mean, it's called Acts, right? And as a guitar player, I appreciate that too. All right. <laughs> Acts 2.22. Men of Israel. Who's Peter talking to here? Who's he talking to? Men of Israel. He's talking to Jews. That's who he's talking to. This is just one more, one more place where we can see that on this day of Pentecost, when 3,000 people were added to the church that were saved, none of them were Gentiles. The first Gentile convert that we know of is in Acts chapter 10, where Cornelius the centurion was saved. All right? So here, Peter's addressing all of the Jews. All right? Men of Israel... Jesus, uh, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you, how? By miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst as you yourselves also know. Notice that Peter shows that Jesus was the prophecy by Joel fulfilled. Hallelujah. He is the embodiment of that prophecy. Remember when we looked last week at the, the wonders in heaven? right? And the signs on the earth. I will show great wonders in heaven, signs on the earth. And, and, uh, but here, look at this. And hear how Jesus, he ties it right into the person of Jesus. And when he walked on the earth, there were miracles, wonders, and signs. Glory to God. Which God through him, did, did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Verse 23, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Now look at this. It says, this shows us that God had a plan long before man. Right? Being delivered by the predetermined purpose and foreknowledge of God. Scripture teaches us that Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. This is an eternal plan of God. Hallelujah. And, and so before anything was put into action as far as the creation of the world and all that we know, this was in the foreknowledge of God. This was in the heart of God. It was in the plan of God. It was in the thought of God. This is wonderful. So man's part in this was, he showed us here what man's part had to, they had to play a part of it because, right, God gave us a free will. God gave us the earth to have dominion over it and to subdue the earth and to multiply and all those kinds of things to have rule. So man's part had to come into play, and that is that the Jews crucified Jesus. That's what he just said. But look, they did that through the Gentiles. They had Jesus crucified. Remember, they're all crying, crucify him, crucify him. And then they delivered him over into the hands of the lawless ones or the Gentiles, the pagans, to actually carry out the crucifixion. So all of us are guilty is what it's saying. 
All of us were there. All of us played a part in crucifying him and putting him to death. But God's part, hallelujah, God raised him up. Man put him to death, but God raised him up. Amen. Uh, look at Matthew chapter 20. Look what, I mean, Jesus even confirms this truth in Matthew 20, verse 18. It says, behold, Jesus is speaking, behold, we're going to Jerusalem and the son of man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes. These are the Jews and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify. And then God's part kicks in and the third day he will rise again. All right, back over to Acts chapter 2, verse 25. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. Verse 27, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You, made, you have made known to me the ways of life, you will make me full of joy in your presence. Now, you can see this account in Psalm chapter 16, all right? What Peter is quoting here from, from the psalmist David is found in Psalm 16. And then look what, David, look what Peter says here. He begins to explain what he just read or what he just said. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne, he, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ. See, this is not David talking about himself. David is in the spirit. The, the mantle of the, the prophet has come upon him as he's penning Psalm chapter 16. This is beautiful. And he is seeing Jesus. He's seeing the one who would sit on his throne, who would establish an everlasting throne. The government would be upon his shoulders. Hallelujah. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus, God, has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Didn't Jesus tell him that in Acts chapter 1? But you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. You shall be what? Witnesses, where at? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Praise God. So, we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. So, isn't this beautiful that God, when Jesus showed up there, when Jesus ascended up into heaven, he sat down at the right hand of the Father, and then the Father gave him the promise of the Holy Spirit and Jesus poured out this gift. Because Jesus said when he comes, he's going to testify of me. He's going to bring to your remembrance everything that I told you. And remember what John said. John said in Luke 3.16, I indeed baptize you with water, but there's one mightier than I who's coming. The latchet of whose sandal I'm not worthy to unloose, he will baptize you. That's what God handed that over to him, and he poured out. 
He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And he said, that's what you now see and hear. What Jesus, the seated, reigning King of kings and Lord of lords, has poured out. So Jesus, he had to ascend to heaven, remember? He told his disciples, it's to your advantage that I go away. And you can imagine how they must have felt, no, that's not true. That's not to our advantage that you go away. Right? And they showed that. As soon as he died, what'd they do? They scattered. I mean, they took off and they were afraid. They were behind closed doors, locked doors for fear of their lives. They saw no advantage to Jesus going away. Until the Holy Spirit came. And revelation started to pour all over them. And here's Peter, by revelation of the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, being able to utter what is going on when it looks like in the natural is utter chaos. And how can anybody explain this except by revelation of the Spirit? The Jews had not, they had not seen the ascension. The Jews, you know, for the most part, hadn't even seen um, Jesus resurrected. What they had seen, though, is the evidence of the outpouring of the Spirit. They heard the wind, they saw the fire, and they heard them speak with other tongues. Wow. And, 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 and heard it in their own language. Heard them declaring, remember, the, the wonderful works of God. Hey, we're all like those guys. We, didn't, we haven't seen the risen Savior. We didn't see him ascend into heaven. But praise God, we have an evidence that it happened. Because the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon our lives. Glory to God. That's an evidence that Jesus was here and ascended. The fact that the Holy Spirit is here. We have this wonderful gift of tongues as proof that Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. We have the Spirit of God who was promised to us who believe. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, is, as I've said this before, is, it's not necessary for salvation. We know that Hebrew, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 is all-inclusive when it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But however, ladies and gentlemen, it is evidence that you are saved. It is not necessary for salvation, but it is evidence that you are saved. Hallelujah. Remember how we talked about last time? Every time the Holy Spirit fell on people and they spoke in other tongues, the disciples never questioned whether that was the Holy Spirit or not. They never even doubted. They never thought, oh, I don't know. It sounds like they're making that up. I, you think that's real? Huh? They never did. They automatically believed it was of God. Amen. Praise God. Why? Because they're believers. And we're believers. Verse 34 of Acts chapter 2. You all right? For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he, him, he says himself, the Lord said to my Lord. I love that. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Make your enemies your footstool. This is in reference to a common practice in ancient times. When a king would, would, he would demonstrate his victories by having all of the conquered kings come and kneel before him. However many it was, one, I don't know. And it was their ritual 
that the conquering king would then be seated there. They would all be kneeling at his feet and he would place his foot upon their head or their neck. And the whole place would rejoice and celebrate this victory. Jesus completely won the battle over sin, death, hell, and the grave. He rendered them powerless. Look at Colossians chapter 2. And look what it says. And you, verse 13, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him. Thank you, Jesus. Having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he has taken it out of the way, nailing it, having nailed it to the cross. Yes. 15, having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. What he did was he paraded all his enemies out in front, defeated. And there's one day when every knee is going to bow and that foot's going to come up on that neck of his enemies. But it isn't apparent to everyone that Jesus has won because of the turmoil that's still in the world. And so he waits for that day when all creation will be shown that he has won the victory and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. When all his enemies bow before him and they will all know that day that he is the Lord of all lords. He is the king of all kings. Verse 36, chapter 2 of Acts. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Verse 37. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? It says that they were cut to the heart. That word cut means to pierce thoroughly. They were cut to, they were pierced thoroughly through the heart when they heard about this Jesus who was crucified and who was raised from the dead. And then hearing that they were responsible for it. The very one that they had pierced is now piercing them in the heart. What's going on? Faith is in action. Faith is in action right here. You can't be cut to the heart if you don't have a believing heart. Yeah, that's good. But it says to pierce thoroughly. That message went right into their heart. And they responded, what do we have to do? Now watch this. This is the moment where they are saved. That's the moment where they receive Christ. That's the moment when they, they heard the gospel and they believed the gospel. Because with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. Now, like, look what Peter says. Actually, you know what? Let's look over at Zechariah for a moment. You've got to see this scripture. This is absolutely amazing. Zechariah, 
chapter 12, verse 10. It says, And I will pour on the house of David, on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one, look at this, mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. It's as one that mourns for an only son and grieves for him that is the firstborn. When Jesus died, he died as the only begotten son of God. But when he rose from the dead, he rose as the firstborn among many brethren. The spirit of grace was poured out this day. Then Peter said to them, repent. That is, change the way you think now, guys. Change the way you think. Change your mind. Greek word metanoia, change your mind. About how you've believed all this time. That your rituals don't save you. But it's that gospel that saves you. Change your mind now. Because now that you've been cut to the heart, your whole life's different. Hallelujah. And look at this. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. For the remission of sins. Is he saying, is he saying be baptized so that you can receive remission of sins? Does that make sense to salvation? Hmm? No, it doesn't make sense. The word for is actually not a very good word there in translated. Because it can be confusing, can be misconstrued. If you looked at a, if you lived back some time ago, late 1800s, and you would have known about some outlaw by the name of Jesse James. Jesse James, there were wanted, wanted posters for Jesse James, wanted for robbery. Now, that could mean two things. They either wanted him to help them rob somebody or he was wanted because he robbed. Huh? He was wanted because if a man is going to prison for his crimes, he's not going to prison to receive crimes. He's going to prison because of crimes. And what Peter is saying is be baptized for the remission of sins, because you have received remission of sins, because your sins are forgiven. Hallelujah. That's why you baptize. Isn't that beautiful? And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Just like what you saw and heard today, this is going to be yours. Now, there's a certain denomination that hangs their entire belief system on this one verse. Acts 2.38. That's everything. Acts 2.38. And you better have all of it right. Acts 2.38. If you get baptized, it's got to be Jesus only. I'm not going to name any denominations or anything. Got to be Jesus only. If that's the case, if it is, and we do baptize in the name of Jesus, and the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, we do all of it. 
but if it's Jesus only, if that, it's all about that, then wouldn't you think that you better get the name right? Wouldn't you think that you better get the, if it's all about that, if, I mean, if you got the wrong name, right? If it's about that, then they're wrong. Because his name is Joshua. And if we're going to go to the original, we better, if it's all about, if we better make sure we get that name right, then they better be saying Joshua. Yeshua HaMashiach, G Joshua the Messiah. Jesus came through Greek transliteration. They didn't call him Jesus. They called him Joshua. See how flaky that is? Verse 39. For the promises to you and to your children and all who are at One Cost Church on Wednesday night. All who are afar off. That's us, ladies and gentlemen. Peter didn't even realize that's what he was talking about. He was up there by revelation of the Spirit. And like I said, as far as he knew, at that time, when Jesus said go on into all the world, all they knew was all the Jewish world. He had no idea. He had no idea that, that this is God's plan for the entire world to receive the promise of the Spirit. Now watch, as many as the Lord our God will call. Now there are some who will see that phrase right there and say, see, see God, God chooses some and doesn't choose others. That's not even what it says. That is not what that's saying. Really? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son? Sounds like he made a choice. He wanted the world. Right? As many as the Lord our God will call. That is, however long planet Earth is going to be here. However long, before he comes back, however many that God's going to call until he finally decides one day, my heart is full, heaven is full, Jesus, go get them. And that's all within his power to do that. I mean, we are living in such a day of grace for our side, but you got to understand it from God's perspective that God... God has to, in his mind, be satisfied that there are enough people, there are enough people that, are, that have reciprocated for what his son did. That he gets enough reward for what he did. How does he ever decide that? I mean, Jesus is coming soon, right? But he might not come for a, quite a while. I mean, our soon, I mean, it's been soon for 2,000 years. We've been in the last days for over 2,000 years. And this is in God's power to, to finally one day say, all right, I believe that you've got what you earned. So don't you know that could take a while? Because Jesus deserves everybody. Huh? I mean, God's so... God so, okay, you know what, let's, can we take one moment and just go over to, let's hold our place there. We're almost done. But I, I want us to look over at uh, the book of Peter. Hang on one second, let me find it. I believe it's um, in the third chapter of, I think, of the first Peter.
<laughs> yeah, First Peter chapter 3. All right. I got a gold star. Verse 18, for Christ also suffered how often for sins? Once. The just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. 19, by whom he also went and preached to the spirits in prison. Who formerly were disobedient. Hang on, wait a second. Wait a second. I got the Carmen song in my head. That Jesus, <laughs> Lazarus, and Abraham, and Samson were all there, right? In that holding place. And Jesus calls Lazarus back from the dead. Y'all remember that song? It's a great song. But look, this says, by whom he also went and preached to the spirits in prison who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. Whoa, so Jesus is preaching to the people who perished in the flood? I thought he was preaching to the guys who had died in faith. But Peter says he speak, he's preaching to the spirits in prison who were disobedient. Uh, isn't that last call? He's preaching to those that are in, where are they? Hell. These are the spirits that were disobedient. Is that what it says? Who formerly were disobedient during the, day, the days of Noah. You're telling me, why is he preaching to these people? Why is Jesus taking the time to preach to these disobedient spirits? What's his sermon sound like when he shows up there? Told you so, morons. Should have got on the boat. Is that what he's saying? Is he sticking it to them? Why is he preaching to them? Because isn't, isn't preaching bringing hope? You're telling me that God so loved the world, listen, that even, even those who never got a chance to hear the gospel, who died way before any of this happened, Jesus goes down there and begins to preach. And the scripture says that he led captivity. Captive. Is it possible that he emptied hell? Yeah. I mean, who's going to stay? <laughs> nah, I'd rather burn. Now that scripture right there blows my mind. He went and preached to the unjust spirits, the disobedient spirits. We can't even comprehend the grace of our God. Now there is coming a day when there won't be sermons there. And men will be without excuse. They will purposefully, because now Jesus has come, he has died, he's been buried, he's been resurrected. And when they, when he says, I, I don't know you, and cast him in outer darkness, that truly is the end. But before then, everybody had to have a chance at this new covenant. 
God saw that that was the right thing to do. I just think that's amazing. Okay, let's finish this up now. Let's go back to Acts. Verse 2, verse 40. Is that right? Yes. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. And how that would happen would be through water baptism. To be saved from this perverse generation is to go under the waters of baptism, come up, rise in newness of life. It's where you say, my identification is not in this world, it is in Christ. I'm saying goodbye to the former old man, the old man which, which does nothing but stink. But now that he's dead, I've got to bury the corpse and rise in newness of life. Baptism, don't forget, it's not just a symbol. It's not just a symbol of, of an outward expression of an inward work. This is an actual funeral that's taking place. You're saying goodbye to the old man. Hallelujah. And it's the type of being in the tomb and raising to life. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them, and they continued steadfastly. Everybody say steadfastly. Steadfastly means consistently. Steadfastly means diligently. Steadfastly means devoted, committed to. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. In other words, they stayed steadfastly in church. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Cross-reference there. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day is this talking about? Huh? The end. The day of judgment. The day when we all give account for our lives, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more. This is the time more than ever to be committed, to be diligent, to be steadfast in being in church. Amen. Why? Why is it so important? Because the scripture talks about that in the very end of time, there are going to be people with itching ears, and they only want to hear what they want to hear. Right? So they're waiting to hear the preacher that will preach something nice, right? And let them know that we're all okay and you're okay and everybody's okay. Okay, right? And this is a sign of the end times when they will leave the truth. But look at this. All the more that we see the day approaching, we need to encourage one another. Come on, you got to be in church. Why? Because 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 says, But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. This keeps you in the truth. Hallelujah. The church is the prop and the support of the truth. Amen. Verse 43, then fear came upon every soul. And look, many wonders and signs. Now they can see that Jesus truly is with them or they have been definitely affected by Jesus 
Because the same signs and wonders that were going on with him are now going on with them. Hallelujah. Many signs. Wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Now let me say something about this here right quick. This was not necessarily a good thing that they did here. This is actually called communism. All things in common. Now watch. And sold their possessions good and divided. Everybody had equal share. The scriptures does not say that that was a good thing. It's just reporting on what happened. But we know later on that Paul is continuing to have to go to church, to church, to church, to send offerings to those poor in Jerusalem. <laughs> to his own people. To those people who were living like communists. We'll get into that later. All right. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. Watch. And the Lord added to the church. Who added? The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. This is glorious. The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. What does the scripture say about the members of the body? It says that God... God places the members as he pleases, right? So they were, they're saved, and then God begins to implement them into the body. This is how you fit. This is how you fit. This is how you fit, because he had a plan all along. Just waiting for him to say yes. Just waiting for him to surrender and say, yes, I believe, and say, okay, now you fit right here. You fit right here. It's beautiful. Daily added to the church. Daily added to the church. Yeah, well, they had church every day. Amen. All right. That finishes the chapter. We did it. Praise God. Oh, man, Acts chapter 3 is going to be good. Starts off with a boom, man. Starts off with a boom. Peter and John going to pray and coming across the crippled man. Father, thank you for this time in your presence. Thank you, Lord. Lord, it's awesome to be able to look into the lives of these great men and women, Lord, of the Scriptures. Lord, to learn lessons. Lord, you, you purposefully had these things recorded so that we today can look into these things. And Lord, that we can grow and we can change and we can learn and we can build our lives on your promises. Build our lives on your word, God. And be encouraged and, exalt, and exhorted, God, to, to continue in faith, God. Lord, what an amazing, amazing day that we live in today, this day of grace, where the spirit of grace has been poured out and is continuing, continuing to be poured out upon the earth, God. Thank you, Lord, that you've saved us, that you've called us, that you've chosen us, God. You've accepted us, you've redeemed us, you've forgiven us. And Lord, we are here to bask in your glory and bask in your grace to receive from you tonight. And Lord, to go from here empowered by your spirit strengthened in your word, God. Hallelujah. Changed with a greater understanding of who God is and who we are in him. Lord, I just declare your blessing on every family that's represented here in this room tonight. Lord, I declare that their, their families, their wives, their husbands, their, their children are healthy and whole in the name of Jesus. And Lord, that they are prosperous wherever they go. They're blessed 
in everything they do. Everything their hand touches shall prosper. Father, I thank you that this is a time now, God, for the church to be that city set on a hill which cannot be hidden. Thank you, Lord, for the plans that you have for all that are here, God, and for us as a body here, us as a, as a local church here, God, in this city. Thank you that you've gathered us together for your great purposes for your kingdom. Bless everyone as they leave now. Thank you that you give your angels charge over them to keep them in all their ways. The precious blood of Jesus cleanses them and covers their lives. No evil shall befall them and no plague shall come near their dwelling. A thousand may fall at their side and 10,000 at their right hand, but it shall not come near them. All of their children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be their peace. This people shall know their God. This people shall be strong and do exploits in the earth. I thank you, Lord, that the enemy is defeated. Hallelujah. And your people are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for location and events. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church. If you would like to partner with our ministry, you can now donate securely online. Just click on the link located on the front page of our website at onecausechurch.com.